Just a quick warning that we will be discussing gender dynamics, sexual abuse, abusive dynamics, sex work, death, exploitation, etc. If you are sensitive to any of these themes, it might be best to just sit this one out. Hello and welcome to A Hopeless Endeavor, a Joanna Newsom podcast. Um, unsurprisingly, I have uh, messed up the audio for the last little bit of uh, our recordings on Have One On Me, so it's just me introducing the episode today, unfortunately, even though Sam shares my welcoming sentiments, I think. Anyway, this is part three. We hope you guys enjoy. Uh, we definitely had like a little too much fun during this discussion, but whatever. It's Lola and she deserves it. So we hope you guys enjoy. Um, uh, send us all your thoughts and theories and comments and whatever. We have a Patreon you guys should check out. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, our email is a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com and we'll talk about the social media stuff at the end of this episode. But thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoy. Uh, thank you to Zach, our very first patron. <laughs> uh, we appreciate it so, so, so much. So yeah, enjoy. <laughs> You go ahead and read it then. At night, I walk in the park with a whip between the lines of the whispering Jesuits who are poisoning you against me. There's a big black spider hanging over my door. Can't go anywhere anymore. Tell me, are you with me? Hmm. Just the visual of like her walking through the park at night alone, either you know, physically holding a whip to literally protect herself against whatever dangers might be in this darkened park. Yeah. But also because in my mind, she is this sassy, (laughs) um, like smart, brave woman, like the whip of her words, um, being able to kind of like tame the whispering Jesuits. Right. Um, is real cool it's real cool especially considering that the jesuits are a sect of christians who are by definition exclusively male right so there is these dudes that are trying to police her and against whom when she was with louis in bavaria she rallied against like she did not she was directly in opposition to what the jesuits wanted so the jesuits wanted this very conservative rule of bavaria and lola was like no like i'm a social i'm a socialist um so not only is it this like very like big male energy that is opposing her it's also this capitalist energy man that's opposing her which you know maybe is one and the same um but I agree with you Sam like just the idea of her as this fucking powerful woman with a goddamn whip 
like, which also I should say, like, she was known to walk around with. It's not just like a fabrication. Like she. It's so sick. It's so sick. She was known to walk around with a whip. And and remember at the very beginning of this podcast, Sam, you said like mm-hmm. um, in Australia, she got a bad review. And so like chase this dude with a whip. Like she had a whip. It's yeah. known that she would walk around with a whip and be like, fuck you. And I love how here she's able to put her finger on the idea that, like, these whispering, gossiping Jesuits Mm -hmm. are creating this atmosphere such that it's toxic for you to be with me. But that's not what's real, right? They're poisoning you against me in this, like, sort of illegitimate way. And I think because of that, there's this big black spider hanging over my door. But... It's just sad because at the beginning of the song, spiders were not threatening. They're what she referred to him as, right? Like daddy long legs. And they're what she made her money off of, which is spider dancing and tarantulas mounting her brazier. And now she's like, because of this same fucking thing that like at, at some point was a good thing to me, is now threatening me so much so that I can't leave my goddamn house. Like, it's time to reinvent myself again. It's time to go to the next place. Yeah. Um, this place is too dark. But there's this this constant pleading that's coming from her, which is what you're saying, Sam, this place is too dark. It's too much. But she's like, hey, like, are you with me? Like, I thought we were in yeah. this together, right? Like, I thought that yeah. I was going to flee and you were going to come with me. But she's like this it's it's this slow realization throughout this song that she's like I, I can't trust these promises that are made from the men that i love right like i can't rely upon them it makes me think of in emily when the whole world, the whole world stopped to hear you hollering it's mm-hmm. like that idea of um kind of like the woman versus the community Mm-hmm. in that same sense um she's trying to live her life and there's this yeah. gossiping flock of people who are just like actively trying to prevent that yeah yeah that's a it's a, a cool comparison yeah i hate that you know and we talked about a bit about uh nabokov nabokov um in the beginning and like i i love the idea of um invitation to a beheading having the spiders as well but i also i really loved what you said about them being like they were part of her act before and now it's something that's hampering hampering her door it's stopping her from leaving and that's a huge transition yeah um you know it places the power it kind of takes the power from her and places it in the spider and that sucks for her that sucks for her exactly sam and i think that that's so symbolic or like representative perhaps of the way in which she uses patriarchy to her advantage but like in the end she doesn't actually have that power right in the end she's still totally subject to what society decides for her and if society decides like hey you're a dirty horror who we don't want to hear from she has to abide by that like she doesn't actually have any of the power because of her womanness and sexuality as a woman and like power that she's any semblance of power that she's gleaned as a woman um yeah it's just all totally conditional upon this 
patriarchal society accepting her. And once they don't, she's fucked. Yep. Poor Lola. Poor fucking Lola. Oh, my God. I love Lola. I love her. (laughs) Okay. Is it cool if I continue until the mud on your eye part? It is. And note that this next verse is all italicized. Ooh, okay. Thank you for pointing that out. So Mm -hmm. she sings, I called to you several times while the change took place and then arrived all night. And I died. (laughs) But all these songs, when you and I are long gone, will carry on. Mud in your eye. Uh, yeah. Mud in your eye as an expression of cheers or a toast or bottoms up, which is very much in the same vein as have one on me. Right. Um, so I think that point that you just made, Sam, is really important because it is it's so important to the album that she made it the title track. And I think that there is something so dejected about the like idea of, because already she's being betrayed by this guy. He's not coming to get her. He's not standing up for her. Like she's calling for him and he's not coming. Right. Mm-hmm. So she's called him several times to change it place. She died. And She's already reflecting sort of on like what happens when they're both gone. And then she says mud in your eye already in this half sarcastic way, if not fully sarcastic, where she's like, you know, fuck you. Like, I guess I will just like what it, what else is there to do other than to drink to this where yeah, drinking is to be understood in this very like dependent sort of toxic, toxic relationship where um when we get to like the place where the you know album title and the to- and the song title comes from which is meanwhile i will raise my own glass to how you made me fast and expendable and i will drink to your excellent health and your cruelty will you have one on me mm-hmm. like it's so already to the point where like he has fucked her over so much that she's like what else is there to do except for like coddle my bottle of champagne and like, sure let's fucking drink to you because like what else have I been like made to be like lowered to because of what your whims are right so I feel Mm -hmm. like this is the first hint of that that we're getting here where she's like hey mud in your eye (laughs) which is also to our like modern ears a very weird way of saying cheers it is and that's why I had to look it up because I was like I you know, the visual is someone kicking mud in your <laughs> yes. eye. And that's the, like, the sentiment I understand <laughs> in this sense. Yeah. But the literal meaning is more of a cheers. And I think that's such just a perfect um, use of that, of that term, of those terms, of that saying. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's sort of this other, like, uh, I guess, like, two meanings that I maybe just want to mention before we move on, which is... um. One, I think that perhaps this might call back to when we were talking about the six-legged millionaire having a blight in his sockets. So here Mm -hmm. she's saying mud in your eye, which again is like talking about sort of like impaired vision, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she's in a sense maybe saying like, you're not able to see things clearly here, right? So both cheers, but also like, cheers in this like resentful way we're like well 
I guess I give up on you because you're not able to see things as they are. You're blinded by the expectations of society in a way that I thought maybe you wouldn't be. Um, and then I also read too that um, in the Bible, Jesus spits on some dirt and rubs that dirt, that mud, in a blind person's eyes and that cures them of their blindness and like some speculate that maybe that's where this phrase came from as like a means to cheer which is like you know I'll drink to your excellent health right like I hope you're unblinded uh and I thought maybe that religious component was kind of interesting given like the mention of the Jesuits before and how Lola was so just yeah. vehemently not a religious person throughout her life. I have this other meaning here too. Uh, simply it means let me rub your face in the dirt, but often said in like a friendly and jovial way to imply friendship. Um, this is just on Cora. Corpses and athletes who have been defeated are the only ones to actually have mud in their eyes. Mud has the secondary characteristic of blurring someone's vision. Note that you are saying, note that the saying refers to one eye. So this phrase does not mean hmm. that you want to turn someone into a corpse or that you hope to beat them into the dirt. Instead, it's a friendly jest in which you are saying that you hope someone enjoys their alcoholic drink enough that it blurs their vision. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I could see that. But that's exactly it. Where did it come from? The Bible. Right. Cool. Um, also, I'm really curious about, um, well, first, uh, I guess, do you, Sam, take the, so the change that she's referring to here, the change that takes place all night to be just the change from being alive to being dead? I want to assume... That the italicized verses which started this verse and are kind of uh, secondary from here on out, like first, the second, first, second, it's a pattern, um, as we go through are her speaking as if from the dead. Um, oh, uh, yeah. So I maybe it's a theory. It's one theory of many, I'm sure. Um, while the change took place and then arrived all night, and I died. It's almost too literal, but then the next one that's italicized is bottle of white, bottle of white, bottle of red, and it ends. But help me, I'm leaving. Ugh. Um, and then the next one is it was dark out. I was half dead. It was dark. I was drunk and half dead. <laughs> and then helpless as a child and then the last verse well daddy long legs are you daddy long legs are you dude like Um, you're sending me this is so helpful because it almost just alternates not quite perfectly but it almost almost, just alternates between verse yeah yeah so here's the as you said the very beginning of of the italics which like Mm -hmm. seems to be this like call and response sort of thing that starts to happen maybe yeah 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 Yeah, i agree with that um yeah to me to me the way that i take it is i mean if not a literal death certainly a metaphorical death where like she's been assuming these different identities throughout the entire song so it's not Mm -hmm. as though 
this changing of identity or the shedding of identity is like a new thing for her. She's been Miss Gilbert and the Countess of Lansfield and Lola Montez and all sorts of things um, throughout her whole life. And I sort of take this statement that she died um, all night when like she was calling to him and he didn't fucking come and the change was taking place. Like to be some sort of like, there is some sort of like irreparability that comes with this vibe to me where, I don't know, maybe she's probably not literally dead, but like there's some part of her that's like, uh, I can't, even if I wanted to like maintain the level of innocence or like acceptance or trusting or whatever vulnerability that I had before, like it's gone. I died. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. There's some true sense in which the person who I was before is gone. Uh and yet these songs, which what songs are you talking about? Is it the song that you're currently singing? Cause like otherwise, what song has ever been in the picture? I want it to be like all of her performances. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. that like maybe I wonder if she was performing when she was a countess as well. Yeah. Um but like these songs that she performed, all of these um experience just she experiences she had with him without him will carry on when they uh will very soon right. both die because he's old as fuck <laughs> and, um, unfortunately she made so much uh more Sadder. tragic end. yeah right okay so do you want to read what she goes on to say sam so not in italics now um, you asked my hand, hired a band, uh, in quotations, in your heart is all that you need, ask and you will receive, it is said. I threw my bouquet and I knocked him dead. <gasps> so she she does get married again after, uh, she doesn't, okay, she doesn't marry Louis, first of all, no. um, but she does get married a couple times. Um, at least like she's married twice in the United States. I think she, um, let me just check my notes too. Um, she marries a couple people in, in California once she gets there eventually. Um, their shit ends with like a weird murder slash like unexplained death mysterious death circumstances oh yeah someone falls off the boat yeah in quotations <laughs> yeah, falls yeah, yeah. off the boat um on her way to the united states on the way to san francisco isn't that it yeah i think so um anyway there's many many more marriages after after her uh relationship with louie um, but I, I don't know which exactly this one is. Right. So uh, here's the thing that to me is simultaneously wonderful and puzzling and baffling and frustrating is that in the same way as like heaven on me cannot s- be considered, I don't think, to be this like very logical, chronological sequel to easy yeah, this <laughs> this this would be a uh, twenty minute episode, right? If it were. Instead, it's four hours. So, uh, <laughs> like, I think that in this, uh, at least a similar way, we cannot say like, look, 
the previous paragraph was said in italics. So that was like Lola speaking, right? Because she died, whatever. She called to him. He didn't come. This next paragraph is not in italics. So that's like Louis. Like, no, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be the case because traditionally yeah. speaking, the person who throws the bouquet is the wife, right? It's not a dude mm-hmm. throwing a fucking bouquet. So there's some like, in my head at least, transition between some ghost of Lola or some like shadow of Lola that was kind of maybe foreshadowed at the beginning of the song when they were talking about Louis's shadow being long and tall, right? There's some semblance of her that is here in the unitalicized verses perhaps. Cause there's a reason that they're italicized and not italicized. I just don't know exactly what that is. Uh, mm-hmm. But when she thinks, throws a bouquet and knocks him dead I don't think it's Louis doing that um but I don't know man all uh like also just the irony of <laughs> like citing the like stupid fucking platitude of like nah, in your heart is all that you need ask and you will receive yeah. whatever you need is good you sound like a fairy godmother as you say it right like it's so silly it's so silly exactly i'm so just thinking of Especially like for such a practical character exactly and so think exactly yeah. so thinking of such a practical minded character saying or even hearing this advice She's like, yeah, this is what they say. But like, here's what happened. Like, I wanted to get married. I threw my bouquet and I knocked him fucking dead. Like, things don't work out the way I want to. Right. It's not the way you plan for your wedding to go is to knock him dead with your goddamn bouquet. Oh, that's so fucking funny. What's this guy's (laughs) name? Who's the guy who falls? They call him him. I remember him being referred to as her manager. Who is it? Uh, The guy who falls off. Oh, oh, oh. The, the boat. boat. Yeah. Right. Uh, my zillion tabs here. Just a second. Just while you do that, I will quickly say from like I can pinpoint the exact time at which I lose my goddamn mind in this song. And it is from I threw my bouquet and I knocked them dead. I just there's something within me that cannot deal from this point on like throughout the whole thing i was it's the way she says it yeah bottle of white bottle of red she's both pissed and heartbroken and hurt and resentful and despondent despondent. exactly she's dejected she's like there's nothing i can do uh i was on my way with my dog ozymandias to the dog park the other day and i felt like a come complete crazy person because i was just driving in peaceful little ithaca with heaven on me blaring on my I've speakers. I've driven with you before when you're listening to Juliet. Just bawling. It's so wild. Wait, I don't even remember that. When were we driving together? Just in Winnipeg, like somewhere, like with Joanna? We were on our way to a <laughs> job interview. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my God, I was playing Joanna. I don't remember this at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you're going to cut this out, but we were high as fuck like it was probably the first time you and i were by ourselves and we got super super high and like you're driving with one foot up and you know like we're both sing screaming joanna as we go and like it was just oh just little babies 
That is still how I drive with like my left foot up on the thing. Cause like, whatever, it's where it goes. Uh, In my mind too, you push a vinyl into like the <laughs> CD player, but that's not real. That's just like, oh, uh, it would have been like a shitty burn CD. But I oh, love, I'm sure. I love that you yeah. have that memory though. Uh, uh, God, yeah. I don't remember. But yeah, like just I, I remember looking at myself in the rear view mirror, just like checking for cars behind me and just like catching a glimpse of myself with like my <laughs> mascara running down my face, being like, I am on the way to a dog park which is like the happiest most joyful thing and I just until the very moment that we got there was like literally bawling just like I I uncontrollably sobbing and about five minutes after I got out of the car Sam I like met my I don't know stepdaughter I guess you would call it my partner's kids friend's dad but like I, I I had known him and so I was like, oh, yes, I am being a normal adult. Uh, hello, German shepherds are great. Uh, like, awesome. <laughs> that transition. Dude, I felt like such a nutbag, but uh, that's, you know, that's that's what my life is like sometimes. Um, and yours, I assume. Like, uh, yeah, you know, the adulting is a real is a real thing. It's a struggle, man. <laughs> it's a struggle. Sure. So she knocks him down uh, with her bouquet. I wonder what the source is for this. What are you looking at? The Just who was the yeah. person that was thrown overboard? I want to assume thrown overboard. I happen to agree with you. Yeah. I threw my bouquet and I knocked him dead. In italics, next is bottle of white, bottle of red, helpless as a child, when you held me in your arms, and I knew that no other could ever love me as you loved. But help me, I'm leaving. Uh, I want to assume she's on her way out of her physical body into that cold clay that we are so familiar with. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I have always pictured this line. So I, I do not disagree with you in what you just said. I've always pictured this line, though, as being, like, this stupid fucking irrational just sentiment that you get if you've ever left a partner, being, like, this, like, almost contradictory in itself feeling of being, like, help me, I'm leaving you. Like, it is the most emotional thing that I am doing, right? Like, so to ask for help from that person is, like, the most inappropriate just something that like you ought not be doing if you're in your right mind. But I think the point is that she's not in her right mind. And she's like, ah, like I am suffering. Please help me. But like, I need to, I guess be doing this because you're not treating me. Okay. Like to stand up for yourself and to assert your individuality as a woman in particular. But like, if it's the case that in doing so you are cutting off your ties to any support that you have in your life or like the closest supports that you have in your life, it really does feel like this contradictory, like, oh my God, help me. I'm leaving you. Like, what am I supposed to do? Right. Um, and just God, the fucking Sam, the heartbreaking feeling of like, not just I thought, but I knew that no one else could love me as you loved me. 
And is this Louie? Is Louie her great love? I think so. Is this who we're referencing? Because I don't know if we outright mentioned this. I know we mentioned their ages, and we mentioned that his nickname for her was Lolita. But did we outright say how fucking Lolita-esque that is? Yeah, no, we did not. Like, the her calling him Pa. Right. The, like... Relying uh, upon him for just basic sustenance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the power that he would have had over her and that he could share with her in that sense. The fact that, like, the community was against them. Right. Um, I don't think so. But that's a really good point that I'm really glad. Helpless as a child. Right. Yeah, she's explicitly comparing herself to, like, I'm just dependent upon you. It's not even a goddamn choice of mine. Like, in the same way as Lolita did not have a choice. It's not as though she was like, "Mm, I choose you as my daddy and get to be dependent upon you. Like, no, it's just something that she's thrust into because of her position in society, like, as a little girl, which is so sad. But in the same way, like, Lola's saying I'm helpless as a child here, especially, like, when you gave me this love. And given that we know her history, we know that she's somebody who's father died young who had to fend for herself i think sam that you had said she started dancing at age 16 like that is a baby that is the age my partner's kid is at and she's a baby like she's little she was she eloped at 16 Mm. and she would have started dancing five years later Mm -hmm. so at 21 which is still a very small baby it's still a small baby yeah and she did have a ton of life experiences before that, right? Like she moved, what, three times before her third birthday or something? So she's had a very full life. But in terms of like doing shit on your own. Exactly. And that yeah. – not just doing shit on your own. Like that absolutely. But also like there's this irreconcilability, I think, that comes with being a girl or a woman in society, which is like – there's just no age at which you can prepare someone to be like, oh, if I can just put all of my emotions and individuality and autonomy aside and like spread my legs, I can get pretty much whatever I want, like, like given a certain amount of subservience, right? Like there is no age at which I struggled with this before too, Sam, like I, just, I, I might cut this because it's like very personal almost but I've tried to tell Bella a bunch of times so this my partner's kid a bunch of times who is 16 just 16 I've been like dude one of the most important things or like mind-blowing things that I learned upon growing up a bit from when I was like 16 was that like I didn't realize how much dudes would be like so lucky to hook up with me not in like an arrogant way but in a way where like I just didn't get how much they wanted that you have that power exactly that is something that people want and it is yours and only yours exactly perfect perfectly put exactly yeah and or not give or not or save for yourself or whatever right yeah but like I remember as a teenager being just so being like oh my god like they're not gonna think my eyelashes are long enough or dark enough like no they don't give a shit exactly No. no and so like I remember just so vividly when I was in my 20s being like oh 
this is simultaneously a very empowering thing to think because I don't have to do a goddamn thing. Like I'm going to have hairy armpits for the rest of my life now. But also it's so sad that this is all that people want from me. It is so sad that like my best. This could be it. Yeah. This could be and is very likely it even for people who like reject this ideal. Like it's just still there's just there's only so much you can do to reject the way that society works because like we're all brought up within it. And I just get this vibe so much from poor Lola here where she's just like, I don't know. She's almost she just feels so dejected here. She's so giving up. She's like, I'm just helpless as a child when you held me in your arms. I knew no one would ever get to. Like, know me as you knew me, but, like, also, what am I supposed to do? I'm leaving you. What am I supposed to do now? Yeah. Do you want to read the next? Yes. I would be honored to. Okay. She goes on to say, um, my heart is bleeding out of my chest just reading this, but, okay. I remember everything down to the sound of you shaving, the scrape of your razor, the jelly abrading black hair that remained when you clutched at me. That night, I came upstairs half dead, and in your kindness, you put me straight away in the cupboard with a bottle of champagne. And then later on a train, it was dark out, I was half dead. I, stas- I saw a star fall into the sky like a chunk of thrown coal, as if God himself spat like a cornered rat. I'll stop there. So in italics from it was dark out to like a cornered rat. What a weird ass place to put the italics. Yeah. There is no. God again is not capitalized. Yeah. I love that. That God is yeah. not capitalized. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do not get. I straight up don't get why the it was dark out is italicized. But the I remember everything. Surely it's the same narrator at least in principle at least in name like lo the montez doing the narrating but dude i don't get it it's heartbreaking to me how we talked so much in uh, emily about the meteorite as a bone thrown from the void and how like precious and special and immaculate and God-given and incredible that is. And now we have a star fall <laughs> into the sky like a chunk of thrown coal, as if God himself spat like a cornered rat. Yeah. That is such a good comparison to bring up between the almost... I I, I don't want to definitively like describe Emily like this but there is some sort of vibe to Emily that is way more way less innocent or sorry way more innocent oh here we're way less innocent and to because like in Emily she's still being like oh is there like a god like I don't know everything's crazy here she's like (laughs) god's a fucking rat like if the podcast was uh summaries of songs in two lines oh my god is there god everything's crazy is fantastic i love that nikki (laughs) (laughs) oh god 
I so feel that. Like, just here she's dark about it, man. She's just like, She's no. dark as <laughs> yeah. shit. God is a rat. And like, if there's a God, all he's doing is reacting to being cornered. And like, yes. the, like the beauty of seeing a fucking shooting star, right? Which is just like, it just universally is supposed to be like this like magical experience. It's just like a thing that you don't get to see often. It's rare. It's like beautiful. It like makes you like appreciate your place on earth. She's twisting that for us and being like, nope I am on this train I'm half dead already this guy's abandoned me he put me straight away in the cupboard which is just whatever and later on a train like this like very discombobulated like state of being and she's like whatever like this yeah I saw this star fall but God is not a generous person obviously given my life he's not someone who's looking out for me he's just fucking cornered and didn't know what else to do other than to spit the star at me but it's a chunk of thrown coal not even like a shooting star not even a fire it's coal like you get in your stocking at christmas not even a fire there is no passion anymore right like this is a fucking cold ass lump of wet coal yeah Gross. gross and this I don't know how to describe this. I don't have like the English majory vocabulary to do it, but um, the way that she phrases this whole verse here, so she's gonna repeat for us that she was half dead. Uh, we haven't read mm-hmm. it yet, but in the very like almost next line, she says, "It was dark. I was drunk and half dead." But before here, she's mm-hmm. saying, "It was dark out. I was half dead." This like repeating in this like she's almost verbatim repeating what she says in the first line she's saying it was dark I, I was half dead in the second line she's saying it was dark I was drunk and half dead so yeah. it that somehow to me gives me this vibe of just like just what you feel when you're drunk right like this yeah. completely like intoxicated and yet like somewhat connected to the shitty shit that you're going through and this re- repetition of this thing that like a sober person would be like, yeah, like you said that, but as a drunk person trying to cope and trying to get through it, you're like, no, like this is like the most prevalent thing to me. This is the most salient experience is that like it was dark and I was half dead. Like I was almost not there. Um, God, I don't know. This is so intense. It's also wild to me how we go from the most personal sound of you shaving the scrape yeah. of your razor to you putting me in a cupboard yeah like that transition from so close and so personal and so intimate to putting you in the cupboard with a bottle of champagne it's horrible is really stark it's really stark that's a great way yeah that's a great way of putting it and with a bottle of champagne so it's introducing us to this vibe that persists throughout the album, I think, and that is so brought to our attention here and that I think Melissa Marchrano brings up in her Blessing All the Birds post that it is highlighting here her dependency on alcohol and this numbing sort of effect that she is not just like enjoying but also like relying upon in order to make sense of her life. So... It's super hard to tell here if she's saying that 
I mean, in your kindness, whoever the your is here, like in his kindness, in your kindness, you put me straight away in the cupboard with a bottle of champagne. Is it a, a completely sarcastic your kindness where? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. that was not a kind thing for you to do. You fucking locked me up like Harry Potter yeah. under the stairs, right? Or is it like genuinely like this sort of uh, infantilization of women that men are socialized to engage in and that women are socialized to like perhaps want to a certain extent? like. I'm supposed to be grateful grateful for this, but like in order to be grateful for this, I need to be not not myself. I need to be intoxicated or I need to be like not fully there because obviously this is not satisfying. It also makes me think of champagne as like a celebratory drink and to put it away in a cupboard yeah. is to just like ignore um any celebration or kind of recognition of that relationship. And it's a really gross verse here too, right? When you clutched at me that night I came upstairs half dead, like that doesn't seem like a consensual act there. And like you said, the sarcasm of, and in your kindness, like you probably did this thing to me that I didn't ask for. And that you oh so kindly shoved me into a into a cupboard um and then maybe later did it again on a train fucking jesus like oh my god i'm so mad now like <laughs> so i just realized too that what you said here uh half dead comes up again that night i came upstairs half dead then later it was dark i was half dead later it was dark. I was drunk and half dead. So she's like mm -hmm. losing her goddamn mind going through this repetition, yeah. which also syphilis does to you too. So if we're to presume that she eventually died from syphilis, maybe it's supposed to be like a, so it could be that like, she's already starting to feel like the symptoms or whatever from that, if she's eventually going to succumb to that, but it doesn't even need to be. I think that, um, yeah, like I just, don't know how he could be totally genuine and trying actually no how do you put someone in a cupboard and try to be like wh what's the what's yeah. the it's like you're embarrassed of them too so like maybe you know she's getting to her old age now lol not yeah she's in her late 30s right um and she's had all these experiences. She's a really famous person. Maybe it's someone who's embarrassed to be with her. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and she should be celebrated. She is the bottle of champagne, man. Yeah. She should be celebrated. She should be the one who is being toasted to. But instead, she's saying, I really want you to do this for me. Will you have one on me? Will you please celebrate me? Or like, I should be celebrated. Yeah. Or like, Louis would have. Oh God, I just like, I take this line to be like the, the further thing that you said, I really want you to do this for me. Will you have one of me? I take that to be such a depressing sign of her just resigning herself to like, oh, okay. Like I was just your object this whole time. So mm -hmm. even, even yeah. the idea of her 
um, being put away in this cupboard as though you would put yeah. a cup away, like from the beginning of the yep. song, right? Yep. It's just, just this fucking yeah, yeah, tool yeah. that, like, whatever he used and now he's done with. And you put shit away that you're done with. Um, yeah. And she's like, oh, that's what I am to you. Okay. Like, then please, God, have one on me. Like, I'll get drunk too because yeah. fuck this shit. Yeah. Uh, and I really love to Sam the way that you brought up how intimate it is to hear the sound of someone's razor scraping their face because it conveys this like level of like Todd uh, Todd Sweeney is that like the the butcher guy the what's the fucking play Ooh, I don't know you're the one who listens to the no 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 wait but like murder podcast wait this like do you watch the oh, god damn it what is the one second, I will figure this out. I think it's Todd Sweeney, the like play about a butcher who's actually like a murderer, but it's like in whatever, 1800s London, I think. Yeah, Sweeney Todd. Oh, yeah, yeah Sweeney yeah, Todd. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, thank you. Sweeney Todd. Um, so the idea that like I had such a close and intimate knowledge and like maybe it's just that like my head conjures up this like Sweeney Todd image but I had such a close and intimate like access to you that like I could have fucked you over I could have ruined you and like I didn't because I care about you like I actually have mm-hmm. these genuine feelings right like the long road begins and ends with you Louis mm-hmm. and all he does is lock her up in a fucking cupboard and never marry her right like she's just a mistress to him forever uh, and like to me that sort of explains her description of the star falling into the sky like a chunk of thrown coal as if God himself uh, as if God himself spat like a cornered rat like she's just like no fuck this life it's so dark and pessimistic and negative and like why would I ever think that anybody would be anything other than just pragmatic and utilitarian and just mean right like yeah ugh. Sam it's sad and I also think that maybe uh, we're not referencing Louis here mm. as much as we're referencing like all the relationships that happened after that. Right. Like even though right. they never were married, I want to assume that what they had was good and cool and respectful and whatever. And maybe it wasn't. And that's totally fair. Um, but if we're thinking of Louis as this great love, we know she was with a number of people after that we know she was married a number of times maybe she was always like chasing that same kind of feeling yeah. or like you know falling into that same kind of feeling and realizing that not everyone was as uh honest as forthcoming as like willing to be respectful as he was like receptive of her as a person right yeah. like we know yeah. that he was or like saw that in her as a woman in a time yeah. when women were just objects right. all of the time. Yeah, I can totally see that. In like in my very pessimistic head, this is this is about Louis because she's like, oh, even like my best love turns out to be a piece of shit. Like <laughs> but there's no reason I think that she needs to be. Like if she can't have her her Louis who she really wanted, like that's still a very cynical view that everybody else would just not be able to show up for her in this way that she 
like very reasonably wants them to, right? Which is just like acknowledge yes. me as a person, like yeah. not as an object, but like, nope. Yeah. Uh, I'm really curious too. So the next, is it okay if I read the next little bit? Yeah. It's in, uh, it's italicized again. It was dark. Until? Uh, like buoys. Ugh, God, such a weird, okay, whatever. So she sings, uh, it was dark. I was drunk and half dead, and we slept, knocking heads, sitting up in the star-smoking air, knocking heads like buoys. Don't you worry for me. Will you have one of me? Oh, my God. I want star-smoking to be a reference to that chunk of thrown coal. Um, Knocking heads twice. And I know we've said it a zillion and a half times, but like uh, anytime she repeats something in her <laughs> lyrics, I want to pay extra close attention to it. So like I want to give it two kind of like a dual meaning here, like knocking heads as in like a sexual Fucking. thing of some kind. Yeah. yeah, literally knocking heads, but then also just like this kind of sloppy mm-hmm. like uh, like how you might wake up with someone after a night together, after like a really drunk night together. On a train. Um, on a train, yeah. Like on each other's shoulders yeah. or um, ugh, sitting up in the star smoking air. Ugh. I remember having that experience with just a complete stranger dude on a, on a Greyhound bus where – it was so cold at night that like I just ended up cuddling up somehow to this like random ass <laughs> man and we both woke up and we were like no nope, it's fine we were not just like resting our heads on each other's shoulders at all but we were um no but like yeah. but but what you said Sam like the repeating of knocking heads again to me calls to mind like this drunkenness that she's sort of relying yeah. upon to try to cope with but in just unbearability that is her life right now. Um, and again, she's repeating that it was dark and she was drunk and half dead. We slept knocking heads, sitting up in the summer, smoking air, like knocking heads like buoys. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I think you had alluded to, but not just like spell that out for the people who might not have gotten there, like that she in the previous verse has like saw a star fall into the sky, like a chunk of thrown coal and then here she's sitting up in this star smoking air right like also like that sort of blaming of the air <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't know if that makes sense like the putting responsibility on the air for having smoked the stars is mm-hmm. kind of reminiscent of the way that like society is putting the blame on her for having like fucked over Bavaria or whatever manipulated all those men with your feminine wiles like She's doing the same thing. It's human nature to try to just divert blame. It's not your fault ever. <sighs> Knocking heads like buoys. I just want to think so much about how throughout ease we talk so much about depth of water. Yeah. And she brings it back here just a tiny little bit. Yep. Um and it just calls yeah. to mind the idea of someone barely keeping their head above water to survive, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, I yeah. like barely have enough 
to just survive off of and yeah and it also objectifies their heads in a way that I, I, I don't know I like narratively I don't really know how to make sense of but like just the idea that we're all just like drunken whatever I guess we're just experiencing this very passively knocking together but also the like horrifying visual of like the headlessness from earlier and like if you were beheading more than one person or if like the guillotine was coming down how it might yeah sorry Mm. how it might um move in a certain way right um i love and hate the don't you worry for me yeah have one on me, both with exclamation points. God. Um, and I don't know. <laughs> it's almost embarrassing, but like, I don't know if you've had this feeling, but I've had that such exact, exactly that sentiment, was just, which is just like, oh, like you've been like consoling your like masculine ego with being like, oh, but I'm just like concerned for like how you'll be on your own. And she's just being like, nope. Don't worry for me. I'll be fucking fine. Even though we know she won't. She's going to die real soon. Like, we know she's not going to be fine. But regardless of that, it's like her pride takes over in this way where she's like, I would rather live a life where I am independent and not reliant upon your goddamn help. Don't worry. Don't worry for me. I will treat you to a goddamn drink. Let's raise our glasses because that's our coping mechanism right now, right? Like... And actually, like, that speaks to this next verse, which is my favorite verse in the whole song, perhaps the whole album. You read it, though, Sam, because I won't be able to do it. (laughs) It's too good. Don't you worry for me. Have one on me. Meanwhile, I will raise my own glass to how you made me fast and expendable, and I will drink to your excellent health and your cruelty. Will you have one on me? Like, how is that not the most devastating thing that's ever happened in all of songwriting? Like, like, yeah, she's saying, like, meanwhile, while all this shit is happening that I've just described, even though the last thing I said was have one on me, like, she's already sort of, like, lowered herself to this, like, I don't give a fuck, even though she, like, does give a fuck a little bit. Um, Even though she's already, like, brought herself to that point, she's still saying, like, in the midst of all of this, I will raise my own glass to how you made me fast and expendable. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where else in the song does it say fast to? Or was that in somewhere else, that, in something else that we read? It was in her fucking obituary. Oh, yeah. That's right, Sam. That's right. They called her fast. As a dismissive term. That she lived a fast lifestyle. Dude, get good the memory. fuck out of here. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here, right. <laughs> to how you made me, like, replaceable is what I hear by that, which is just so sad. Yeah. Like, I'll yeah. toast to how I'm replaceable to you. And, like, it's almost this, like, resigned, like, uh, 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 uh. I'm on the same page as you now. I get that I was just replaceable to you. Sorry. I thought we were special, but like, sorry, sorry, sorry. My bad. I get that I'm just like a woman to you that is an object. And that like now that I'm like 30 fucking five years old, like 
I should be put in the cupboard. So like, cool. Uh, let's toast to how I'm fast and expendable. And I hope that you're in excellent health. Also, fuck you. <laughs> like, also, you're so mean to me. Well, you have one of me. And that's, that's the title of the whole album, man. It's so crazy. It's so nuts. <laughs> oh, God. I, like, this. these two short verses bleed such sarcasm for yeah. me. Like, don't you worry for me. I feel like she really doesn't want you to give a fuck about yeah. her. Like, after all of this, don't you dare worry for like, me get my name out of Have your mouth on me like, don't exactly yeah. exactly i will raise my own glass because i am still capable to how you made me fast and expendable like there's still i'm still taking some solace in that she is still cognizant that she what am i trying to say she exists independently like Yes, and she's still aware that she is her own person besides whatever fastness or expendability they have assigned to her. Um, and who's whose health is she drinking to? Because if it's Louis, he's fucking seventy five. <laughs> I think it's Louis, man. I think it's Louis, and she's being what a joke. amazing. Yeah, what a fucking joke, exactly. And I think that. No, but I I think you put your your finger exactly on it, like that. She is asserting her independence, but I think maybe, um, at least a part of what makes this so heartbreaking to me is that this is, even though Lola has not been a idealistic person throughout this whole time we've known her, she's been very pragmatic, um. This is still a coming to terms with this like deeper level of pragmatism that we haven't seen from her before. And she's here saying something like, oh, God, like the one bit of romance I had in my life, I guess I misconstrued. And somehow, even though I've had a tough fucking life, somehow I thought that like maybe this was like romance or like maybe you would have valued me for something other than like my pussy. Like... I was wrong, I guess. So awesome. Like, let's toast to your excellent health. I hope you live forever. And also, you're awful. Let's have a drink on me because that's all I know how to do. Like, that's the only way I know how to cope. And and it's also this sort of satisfactory, but also maybe not totally satisfactory. And also this maybe oversimplistic but maybe not assigning of blame to him if it is louis that we're talking about which maybe it's not but where she's saying like this there's there's no way that there's no other way to understand this line or this verse other than than some sort of turning on behalf of lola where she's like oh like i used to have tender feelings towards you and maybe vice versa but we're past that now. Like we're not in that same place and you fucked me over in a way that I didn't think would happen. So, and she, she just seems like this kind of personality that like is really to me respectable where she, even if it's going to end up killing her at the age of 39, she's not willing to 
undermine herself and to make herself be acceptable towards other people so that she can like live longer or thrive in this society. She's like, no, it's fine. I'll whatever dive syphilis at age 39. Cause I can't here, here's to your excellent health. Cause obviously like I'm not going to, I think there's a joke in that too. Like we don't know where she acquired the syphilis. If yeah. we are assuming that she has it, that also means that every person she was with sexually, <laughs> that every man that she was with since she acquired it, she gave them syphilis. So to drink to their excellent health is fucking hilarious. That is hilarious. That is a great point. That's <laughs> fucking funny. Just like oh, so, it's uh, all sarcastic too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yes, you were cruel, but also fuck you. You have this yeah. now too, <laughs> and I'm gonna leave you with that. Like, I don't care. I do yeah. not feel remorseful yeah. that you have this. Um, I wonder what Louis died of. Me too. Good question. Um, he died at 81. Please save. <laughs> No, take your time. I, I just too like the idea of her not even caring. Like of her being like, you know, before the age of text where you can like text your ex sometime 10 years after you've broken up with them and be like, hey, like, are you alive? And how are you doing? Like, no, she has no hope of that. She's just totally cool with being like, okay, well, this is like, like, peace out. We're done, obviously. She's just done. Um, but still like the next verse where she's helpless as a child and she repeats the lines when you held me in your arms and I knew that no other could ever love me as you love or no no sorry I knew that no other could ever love me and then she just sort of like repeats that note and to me when I was at the, the dog park the other day I remember thinking like I need to say on the podcast that this sounds like crying a little bit the way that she sings me wait Sam had her mouth open I need to see what has happened in her brain it says he maybe killed himself what the real cause of King Ludwig's death has been a mystery ever since his body together with that of his psychiatrist was dragged from Lake Starnberg on 13 June 1886, but the official version, which holds that he committed suicide by drowning, has never been completely refuted. Holy shit. Oh my god, they exhumed his body 111 years later? Dude. Uh. Oh my god. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Where's the... And in conclusion. He loved Lola forever and did not get over oh. it. What is, is, is... Oh, my God. You're keeping me in such suspense right now. What's going on? I'm weaving a theory here. <laughs> oh, and there's just a penis. Look up syphilis. Can... Here's my question. Can syphilis fuck up your brain? Yeah. Yes, it can. It can. So he died. Where was my link? And I'm so into this. He 
was diagnosed with paranoia and possible oh, schizophrenia. My God. A condition today which would be classified as schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. But as I'm reading these symptoms, like absolutely paranoia is a symptom of schiz- uh, of, 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 of syphilis. So like. He was also maybe killed though. Murder theorists counter with recent medical evidence. Of- oh, this is just <sighs> people on Reddit. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. Okay. Maybe though. She gave him syphilis. Or he gave her syphilis. I mean, weirdly, I hope that she gave him syphilis and that he died from that. I know. Because fuck you. You can't just treat people like objects and that is it. Although, you know what? No. If I'm going to feel bad for Monkey, I'm going to feel bad for Louis because Monkey's a dick. And Louis's a dick too, but also maybe he just doesn't know how else to live. He's like been brought up to think that he has fucking royal blood and that he's God-given he has a God-given talent to rule a kingdom or whatever people think about themselves. And I'm sure that, like, at this time, too, you know, the syphilis was rampant. Yeah. I'm sure that, like, you know, the cases were all over the place and it was unavoidable at the same yeah. time. Um, if you were having <laughs> unprotected sex. like so, And, like, uh, I'm sure condoms weren't a renowned thing that existed in the Victorian era. Men were... Eighteen fifty-five, man. So they were not. So they were not. Um. Huh. Also, case closed. Man, I never (laughs) thought we'd be talking about syphilis so much in Joanna Newsom analyses, but we talked about it with like syphilis finger in like the. (laughs) Do you remember? We we talked about it. We talked about it in Sisyphus and syphilis. Yeah, and only exactly. Man, that's a lot of syphilis happening in one person's body of work. (laughs) Infidelity, but also paranoia inducing. Yeah, yeah. But also, like, as I was just saying, I feel a little bit bad for Louis because, you know, he didn't have. It's not as though his. He had these, like, very clear options in front of him. Of course, Lola had it much worse than he did, but. Everything's shitty in patriarchy. Everyone suffers. Yeah. Okay. So, will you have one on me? And then she repeats, helpless as a child when you held me in your arms, and I knew that no other could ever love me. And then she repeats the first verse from the courtyard. But first she sings Um. in this way that sounds like crying to me. I don't know. Like, she, like, does that, like, I'm not going to do it, but, like, Picture what she does when she says it's kind of warbly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, and then I think that after the first like bar of that warbly, Joanna by herself doing that, I think that then it is joined with other voices that might just be Joanna over and over. But it sounds like more voices at least joining in and being like doing that same thing. And so it sounds like she's almost like gaining traction either from like other women who are alive in the world and dealing with the same goddamn fucking problem because patriarchy is a thing that just permeates all of our lives or maybe just like she's able to 
sort of express this pain and suffering in this way that is profitable to her and is more performative, right? Which is, again, like in a like weirdly meta way, kind of reflective of Joanna's own life where whatever hardship she's going through, like that's what her previous album is going to have been about. Like by the time it gets to us, she's going to have written about it. And so there is this kind of like, I guess I'll use this because like that's what I do. I'm a pragmatic person as a woman. Oh, what was I going to say? Okay. Last time I'm going to talk about syphilis. Please. I swear no, no. to God. I want you to talk about it all the time. In the last verse. Mm-hmm. And that it reflects the first. Yeah. So we have the black guard sat down hard with no head on him yep. now. Is it maybe a reference to how now Louis has lost his mind hmm. um, from paranoia at the very right. end? Right. And I felt so bad because I didn't know how to feel bad enough to make him proud. Oh, dude, that's a cool interpretation. I never thought of that. But... She ends this this song with a way that we haven't heard her end it or like say anywhere else in the in the in the song, which is, well, daddy le- long legs are you? Daddy long legs are you? Daddy long legs are you proud? Oh God, it's so sad. It's so sad. Picture saying that to like like your actual father figure, right? like, which she didn't Which have, exactly. right? Exactly. Like died when she 19. Was three. Oh, yeah, that's right. Three. Oh. That's right. Yeah. Her mother right. was 19 when he right. died. Yeah. So, uh, right. Imagine not having that figure, as I'm sure, like, a lot of you can vividly imagine, and just asking, like, of the void, like, are you proud? Or of this person who is, like, very explicitly to you, at least, occupied this role of, like, your dad when they're 60 years old and you're fucking 20 like this like deep longing within a a woman like maybe a dude I don't know how to relate to being a son but like to being a daughter where you're just like I just want to make you proud like I just want approval in this like very base animalistic way and seeking that approval in this from this guy who maybe has lost their mind as you've said sam like they've lost their head Ugh, just devastating stuff (laughs) from song number two on this goddamn album (laughs) (laughs) we made the joke to each other how oh you know we're finished nikki's dying laughing already we're finished ease and ethan you know like we only have a few pages of notes for this this song. I don't think it's going to be that long of an episode. Here we are. <laughs> Sweet, dear listeners. Four hours and 20 minutes <laughs> later, having written three novels about syphilis. God damn it. And bags and this every time. I don't get it. I legit don't get it. It's so long. It has to be at least three episodes. But, like, how do we have so much to say? And also, just, just, I don't know, man. This woman is crazy. How, 
imagine having just these like lyrics or like thoughts these embryonic I ideas. Thought you meant Lola, but you mean Joanna. <laughs> I mean Joanna. I mean, oh God, also Lola. I feel so bad for Lola's Lola. Lola's incredible too. But yeah. Joanna, all these lyrics and thoughts and embryonic ideas just like floating throughout her head at all times. Like, how are you just not constantly bawling? I don't get it. Truly, I don't get it. We have <laughs> an email address. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> it is. It is a hopeless endeavor. Mm-hmm. I do this every no, time. She's right. She's right. Yep. Okay. It is a hopeless endeavor. E n d e a v o r at gmail dot com. We have an Instagram. It is a hopeless endeavor podcast. Nikki runs yeah. our Facebook group. It- which is it is a hopeless endeavor that you need some podcast. Okay, so it's just me now um, because I'm recording this last bit while I'm editing, um, and so Sam is not with me. But if you guys recognize that outro, it's because I copied it for the first episode um, on Have One on Me to end it with that because I thought it was so funny. But this is where it actually went. So if you notice repetition, very sorry about that. I need to get better at audio. Um, but also I wanted to mention we have a Patreon Uh, thank you again so so much to Zach uh, who is our very first Patreon we love you and we appreciate you and thank you so much there's all these like different tiers and stuff that you can check out for different kinds of material and benefits and whatever anyway um, regardless of whether you're in a position to check that out or not. Um, if you're not, we totally understand. No worries at all. If you have a couple dollars to throw our way, that would be cool too. But either way, we're so appreciative that you guys show up for us and like listen to our shit every week. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. Just thank you for being here and we will see you guys next week with 81. Bye guys. Oh, 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 oh,